don't we give Jesus our praise right now? Come on. Can we do that together all over this house? Hallelujah. 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 What a joy, delight, and honor for us to be here today with Cornerstone Church, with the Mayo family. My goodness, we have been so blessed. Today has just been an incredible already choir, the music, just absolutely anointed. We feel blessed. You know, we're thankful uh, that God allowed the Mayo family to cross our paths one day. And Brother Mayo has been a blessing in our church, in our camp meeting that we have Every year he has ministered and been a blessing, and I'm thankful uh, to know a man that came here 27 years ago and built a church, and we're all here today uh, together because of a man and his wife's burden to come to a city and dig out a church. I think we ought to give God praise for that. Hallelujah. 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 So I give honor to uh, you all here today, the saints of God. Uh, you know, you can have a pastor and pastor's wife, but in order to have a church, there's got to be people. And you're here today, and what a, what a testimony uh, to the leadership of this church to see this place filled with people worshiping the name of Jesus. I want to say thank you for the beautiful accommodations. Uh, it was hard to get out of that bed. And I want to say thank you for the basket that was overflowing with things, the meal last night. Just appreciate all of the hospitality that's been shown to my wife and I. I am uh, so glad that my wife is here with me. Um, we have been married in just a few weeks. We'll have been married 19 years. We have three children that are young, so she doesn't travel much, but I'm glad that she came with me. I promise you, I don't know how well I'm going to do today, but I can tell you this. It'll be better because she's here, so I'm thankful for that. Hallelujah. I love what I feel in this building. I love what I feel among God's people. And yesterday when I walked in, I've never been here before. Had to use Google to get here. Um, never been in the sanctuary. And immediately I felt a connection in the Holy Ghost. And I'm thankful for that. And I just believe the Lord has something for us today. I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to go to the 26th verse. Back at the beginning of the year, uh, the Lord began to speak to me for our local congregation about being spirit-filled, being spirit-led. I referenced it yesterday, 
but it has become alive in my spirit and my heart. And so I just want to share with you what God's doing in our church. And I believe uh, God has a word here today for this local church. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth. Everybody say, helpeth. And I want to preach today, just for a few moments, from two words. The first is a Greek word called pneuma. It means spirit. The prefix P-N-E is found in words like pneumonia. Um, It's found in the word apnea, which is the suspension of air when you're breathing. And it means air in motion or breathing. But there is a deeper message in that word when you take it to the spiritual realm. It is the very breath of God. It is the spirit of God. And so today I just want to preach from these two words, pneuma and prayer. Could we lift our hands and ask God to speak to us from his word, Lord Jesus. We need you today, God. I am nothing. Lord, I need you today. I am a weak, frail vessel of clay. I need your anointing to be poured in me. Lord, let me speak your word. And Lord, let this congregation be anointed to hear your word today. And let our hearts be receptive to the word of God that is preached across this pulpit. In Jesus' name we pray. Could we give our... God, a hand clap of praise before we're seated today. Come on, let's just bless him for a moment. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You may be seated. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 through 17, the Apostle Paul equips the believer with the armor and weaponry for battle. The Apostle Paul tells us to put on the belt of truth, to gird our loins with the truth, to put the breastplate of righteousness on, uh, to cover our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He instructs us to take the helmet of salvation and to put that helmet on our head. He encourages us to pick up the shield of faith. And when you use that shield of faith, uh, it will quench every fiery dart that that the devil would ever throw. He tells us to take the sword of the Spirit. Later on, he tells us that the sword of the Spirit is the very Word of God. And that it is sharp enough. Uh, It is sharp enough to pierce. Uh, And so we are to take these items, these weapons, this armor, and we are to apply it to our lives. 
But the Apostle Paul does not stop there. But in the very next verse, Ephesians 6 and 18, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So it is not enough, believers here today, to just gird your loins with the belt of truth. It's not enough to only pick up the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, but we are also to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. One translation says it like this, this, with every prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. So what is the Apostle Paul saying? Is he saying that 24-7 we're supposed to pray nonstop? No, that's not exactly what he means, but it would be good if we could do it. But what the Apostle Paul is saying is when we pray or when we petition, we should do it every time, all the time, in the Spirit. The Spirit is the difference maker when you pray. So why should we pray? We should pray because we need God. I know you thought it was going to be something profound. You thought I was going to say something that would knock you off the pew today. But the truth of the matter is this. We need God. Every person in this room today, you need God. Hey, Regardless of education, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of where you live or what you do or or how much money you make or how successful you are, every human being in this building today needs the help of God. We need God. We need God. We cannot make it without God. I wish somebody would give God praise in this house if you believe what I'm preaching today. We need God. We need His Spirit. We need His Spirit to live. We need His breath to move. We need His Spirit to think. We need His Spirit to operate. And the way we get the Spirit working in us is praying in The Spirit. Understand today that God knows exactly what you need, but you need the spiritual discipline of humbling yourself and praying. God knows what we need. He's not not sitting on the throne just, just wanting to hear somebody pray to make him feel more God. He's all God. But what he understands is, I need I need to humble myself down. I need the spiritual discipline of bowing my knees and saying, God, I've got to have your help. God, I've got to have your help. God, I need you. God, I need you. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, be careful for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
Let me tell you, it is not the will of God. I come against this spirit, Brother Mayo. In this present day, with all the pressures we face, the church of the living God should not be a church that's filled with anxiety. You shouldn't be wrestling at night and having to take something to go to sleep because your mind is so worried about what's going on in your world. I want to tell you, when you get to praying in the Spirit, when the Holy Ghost begins to pray through you, you can lay your head on a pillow and sleep all night. I'm just going to be real for a moment, but I see way too many apostolics that are wringing their hands. They're having to take something to go to sleep. They're having to take something to wake up. They're trying to deal with the pressures of life. And here the Bible tells us, do not be anxious for anything. Why? Because if you will pray, if you will supplicate, you will have an answer from God. He will relieve the stress. He will pick the anxiety up off your shoulders. Luke chapter 11, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. This is the principle. Seek and you find. Knock and it's open to you. Ask and it will come to you. But then, listen to verse 10. For everyone that asketh, everyone that keeps on, that E-T-H, asketh, That means continual. Everyone that continues to ask will continue to receive. And everyone that continues to seek will find. And everyone that keeps on knocking on the door, it will be opened. Every door will be opened. If you're facing a closed door today, I want to tell you, get to knocking. Get to praying in the Spirit. Let God begin to pray through you. And the door will be open. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, continue in prayer. In other words, be devoted to prayer and watch, keep alert in the same with thanksgiving. Be devoted to prayer. Hey, I believe in every program. I believe in in having organized church. I believe in having Sunday school and and all of these things. But I'm going to tell you the thing that supersedes all programs is praying in the Spirit. If we're not praying in the Spirit, all of that stuff will never work out right. But it takes a congregation that says, when I get down to pray, I'm not just going to say mere words. I am going to allow the Spirit to start breathing in me. I'm going to allow the Spirit to start praying through me. Luke chapter 22, verse 40, pray that ye enter not into temptation. We're to pray that we do not enter into temptation. So you may ask, well, when should I pray? When is the right time to pray? Well, let's look at a few of those. Number one, from Luke twenty-two forty, what Jesus told us, when we're tempted, we should pray. I said, when we're tempted, we should pray. When we're served food, we should pray. 
That's from the Bible. When we receive blessings, we should pray. When we wake up in the morning, we should pray. When we go throughout our day, we should pray. My dad wrote a little book a few years ago called The Six Steps to Prayer. You may have seen it. One of those steps was short prayers, little prayers. And what was he talking about? He was just saying, pray throughout your day. When your mind comes to God, just go ahead and take a moment to to just speak to him and tell him, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for helping me. When should we pray? We should pray when we lie down. When should we pray? We should pray when we feel overwhelmed. When should we pray? We should pray when we're sick. When should we pray? We should pray when our lives are upside down. Because the only thing that will truly help us is God. And as far as I know, the only thing where you have direct connection and conversation with God is in prayer. That is where you have conversation with God. That is where the communication is, is in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul said, pray without ceasing or constantly pray. Oh, I hope today what I'm saying can be of benefit to this church. I want to tell you today, I've not come here with any motive, any agenda, other than to see God uh, uh, develop a revelation in your heart and in your mind that prayer is where the growth happens. Prayer is where it is at. I have seen it personally, and I believe Cornerstone Church, God is calling you to a deeper level of prayer. Hey, I want to tell you, miracles, signs, and wonders are hinged on your prayer. Expansion is hinged on your prayer. Growth is hinged on your prayer. Don't just pray words. Pray in the Spirit. Matthew chapter 6, this is what Jesus said. This is how he said what we should pray. After this manner, therefore, pray you, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God, I want your will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, and de- but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What was Jesus saying? He was saying you need to pray in alignment with heaven. Your prayers need to be aligned with heaven. You need to say, thy kingdom come. God, I want your kingdom to come to this earth. God, I want your kingdom to expand in Spokane, Washington. God, I want your kingdom to come. I want my prayers to be in line with you. Where should we pray? We should pray in private. Matthew 6 and 6. 
But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So we can pray in secret. We can pray in our prayer closet. We can pray in bed. Psalm 63, 6. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. We can pray at the river. Acts 16 and 13. And on the Sabbath, when uh, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, we sat down and spake unto the women Lydia, which resorted thither. We can pray on the seashore, Acts 21 and 5. When we had accomplished those days, we departed and went out our way. They all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. We can pray at the well, Genesis 24 and 12. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee send me good speed. Uh, This day show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water. We can pray in God's house. Luke chapter 2 verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. You know what that tells me? It doesn't matter what your age is or how long you've been in church. If you've been in church six months or 60 years, that doesn't matter. You still need to come to the house of God and pray. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Hey, I can hear my father's words ringing in my ears today. The carpet can't pray. The pews can't pray. The walls can't pray. Only people can pray. If this sanctuary is going to be a house of prayer, you've got to make it a house of prayer. You have got to pray. Oh, can we lift our hands right now? Hey, I know the devil hates what I'm preaching, but I'm telling you I'm preaching it under the unction of the Holy Ghost. God is wanting to expand our vision of prayer. Oh, God. Help us today. Speak to us from your word, oh God. Where can we pray? We can pray on the battlefield. We're all dealing with the the devil. We're all in the fight of our lives. We've already heard it today. We can pray on the battlefield. Joshua 10, and then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said, in the sight of Israel, son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still 
and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. Hey, I want to tell you, when you're in the fight of your life, when you're on the battlefield, that's the time to pray. God can do the miraculous when you pray. I want to encourage you today. Hey, God is speaking to this church. He's speaking to all of us. I come from a long line of apostolic Pentecostals. And I, I'm thankful for that today. I'm not bragging about that. I'm thankful for that. But I can remember the stories of my great-grandmother, Ida Clark. She was the daughter of the Holland family. They were a family that was used greatly in the south, in Mississippi, Louisiana. And I remember hearing the story. My grandma would tell it. My great-grandmother, Ida, would go out to the field. And she would pray out in that field because she prayed so loud. And would pray in the Holy Ghost. I guess she didn't want to disturb anybody. But one day, they had the preacher over at their house. They were poor people, Brother Mayo. They were humble people. They didn't have a lot. She didn't have any meat on that table that day. And, the, and my grandmother said, my, my great-grandmother Ida, she went out to that field. She began to pray in the Spirit. The Holy Ghost began to pray through her. And she said it wasn't too long. A rabbit jumped right in her apron. And she grabbed that apron up. And she took that rabbit. I know that may not sound good to you. But to people 60, 70 years ago, it was meat on a table. It was a miracle that happened. Why? Because she knew how to pray in the Spirit. I'm telling you, whatever you need, whatever miracle you need, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Oh, I'm talking about ugly crying. I'm talking about ugly crying. I'm talking about abasing yourself. Hey, no pretty prayers. Pretty pears won't get you anywhere. It's when the tears flow. It's when the snot comes out. It's when you open up your mouth and you begin to pray. Oh, God. Oh. Let me tell you today, I'm preaching what I've been taught all my life. I'm 40 years old and I've seen my family example this all my life. I had a grandmother, Agnes Holmes, a legend among Pentecost. She's gone on to receive her reward. I can still see her, Brother Mayo, in my, my mind's eye, sitting over in that recliner in our sanctuary. She would rock back and forth. She would pray in the Holy Ghost, tears streaming down her face. She was 94 years old when she died. And up until a few months before, she was coming to that church every day, sometimes twice a day. She would sit in that recliner. They would get her in there. They'd help her in a walker. She'd get to that chair. 
and she would begin to pray. I cannot tell you how many people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost by coming over by that chair and letting her lay her hands on her. This morning, I was scrolling through Instagram. I saw a young man in our church. He came to our church back a number of years ago. He was a drug addict. He was strung out. His dad was a Methodist preacher, but he was far away from any kind of religion. And he came to church, and he said it on that post. He had a picture of him and my grandma together, and he said, I went over there to her chair one day, and she prayed me through to the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you today, when you start praying in the Spirit, things begin to happen. Thank God for a good choir. I haven't heard any choir any better. Thank God for beautiful music. I haven't heard beautiful music any better. Thank God for a beautiful building. It's as beautiful a building as I've ever seen. But I'm going to tell you, none of that matters if the church doesn't learn to pray in the Spirit. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. You know, sometimes it's easier to understand a word or a concept by what it does not mean. You know, sometimes it's just easier of understanding a concept by what it doesn't mean. So I want to tell you what prayer does not mean or what you should not do. Luke chapter 18, and he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Oh, God, help us not to trust in ourselves. Our flesh, there's no good thing. We're wicked. (laughs) Our heart is deceitful. (sighs) But he told it to people that were trusting in themselves, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But Jesus said, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So let me tell you what not to do. Don't pray like the Pharisee. Don't pray for show. At our church, we have kiosks at the entrances and we log in for prayer. The only reason we do that is to hold ourselves accountable. It's not for show. Let me tell you, we don't pray for show. We're not praying to see how eloquent our words can be. We're not praying so that everybody else can hear how well we have it together and how our life is going so well and how successful we are. But I'm going to tell you what we should pray like. We should pray like the tax collector. We should pray like the man that was hated and loathed by everyone. God, be merciful 
me tell you what you should do. You should humble yourself before God. 1 Peter 5, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. What are we supposed to put on? A lot of times we just want to put the garment of praise on. But Peter said put on the garment of humility. Put on the apron, Brother Mayo, because God opposes the proud but gives grace. He gives grace. How many need grace in this house? He gives grace to the humble. And God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand by casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Do you know when you don't let God work in your situations, that's pride and arrogance? Listen, by casting all your cares on him is how you show your humility. See, we think we can make it ourselves. We can deal with this problem. We've got the intellectual fortitude to, to find a solution. We've got the ability to handle this. But the Lord is telling us, when you cast it on me, you're showing true humility. Because you're saying that you know you're not able in your own power to do it. You can't figure it out. Only God can give the strength and the wisdom this is how God responds to the person who comes to him in humility. I love this. Isaiah 66. Listen to the words of Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What a mighty God we serve. What is the house that you should, would build for me and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. So all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles or reverences at my word. The one who is humble, that's the one I'm going to take notice of. The one whose spirit is contrite, is broken. That's the one that's going to get my notice. I'm reminded in the Old Testament of a term that's used, sackcloth and ashes. It was a symbol of debasement or mourning or even repentance. And all through the scripture we find where people would put on sackcloth and ashes. What was sackcloth? Well, it was a rough uh, fabric made from goat's hair. So it was not pretty. It was prickly. It was rough. It was, it was not luxurious. It was ugly. That's sackcloth. Ashes was literally ashes from a fire. They would put them on their heads. They did this to show their abasement or their mourning if someone passed or, or if they needed to repent. They would wear this. Jacob wore sackcloth and ashes when Joseph died or was said to be dead. David robed himself in sackcloth and ashes when Abner died, his general. Mordecai, troubled by the news of the impending annihilation of the Jews, put on sackcloth and ashes. After the reluctant Jonah preached to the pagans of Nineveh, those people of Nineveh put on sackcloth and ashes 
they begin to repent and fast and ask God to forgive them. King Hezekiah wore it. Even King Ahab, the wicked king, clothed himself in sackcloth and ashes when he thought he was going to be defeated. The elders of Jerusalem who mourned the destruction of Jerusalem put on sackcloth and ashes. Daniel, the esteemed Jewish governor of Babylon, prayed and clothed himself in ashes and sackcloth when he heard the decree that the king had signed. Sackcloth and ashes were used as an outward sign of one's inward condition. However, it wasn't the act of putting on sackcloth and ashes itself that moved God to intervene, but the humility that such an action demonstrated. Let me tell you today, a modern version of sackcloth and ashes is prayer. Prayer is an expression of humility. When you're praying, you're saying, God, I need your help. When you begin to pray, you're acknowledging how desperate you are for the help of God. But let me tell you today, you don't have to pray by yourself. You don't have to try to come up with all the words. You don't have to try to fill all the time that you spend. Let me just interject for a moment. Thank God for people that can pray an hour. Thank God for people that can pray two hours. But I would rather spend 15 minutes in fervent, red-hot prayer than two hours twiddling my thumbs and just trying to come up with things to say. I want to tell you today what makes a difference. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I've tried to commit to prayer and, and I find myself not being very consistent. Well, join the club. We're all dealing with consistency. But I want to tell you what will make it easier is when you pray in the Spirit. Our text today, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our frail human condition. See, we think of infirmity as being sickness. But really, the, the essence of the text is the Spirit helps humans. The Spirit helps us in our weakened condition. The Amplified says it like this, So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit Himself, the pneuma, the breath of God, goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. The word help used in Romans 6, 8, and 26 is used only one other time in Scripture. It's used in Luke chapter 10, verse 40, and it's used with Martha when she was frustrated at having to do all she was having to do and all the work when Jesus came to visit. She asks Jesus to have Mary come 
help her. And I mentioned this reference today so that you can get a complete picture of how the Spirit assists us. The Spirit is here to help us. The Spirit is here to lend a hand. The Spirit is to come alongside you and help you. Can I borrow that chair for a minute? Do you mind? This is how we live life. We live life trying to carry our burdens. Trying to make it. Trying to hold it all together. Trying to make it through life. We come to church and we shout, but we're carrying around a heavy load that's awkward and hard to carry. And we're trying to go through life. We're trying to deal with stress and job issues and co-workers and family problems and, and money issues and all of these things. We're trying our best to carry our burdens around. And I want to tell you as a visual representation, let me show you what happens when you begin to pray in the Spirit. Can you come over here? Let me show you what happens. Help me out, brother. Help me carry this. The Holy Ghost, when you begin to pray in the Spirit, you don't have to carry the burden alone. You don't have to carry the trouble by yourself. You don't have to carry the issue by yourself. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, the Spirit helps you carry the load. It helps you carry the load. This is how Paul is describing the help of the Spirit to us. It's not a one-time help. It's helpeth. It implies to continue helping. The Spirit also help us. Helpeth. This is the place where the divine intersects with the mortal. The infinite with the finite. Strength with weakness. Supernatural with natural energy with weariness when you combine the Spirit of God when you combine the Spirit of God with the human effort you've got something supernatural that happens it's the Spirit helping you to pray I'm almost finished today the word instructs yea commands us to pray and therefore we pray. As good apostolic people, you pray. But just because we pray doesn't mean our prayers are in perfect alignment with the will of God. Or even we're praying what we need to pray. And as a result, when we face these issues, we can become tempted to abandon prayer altogether. But let me tell you, our lack of forethought, of foreknowledge, or even knowledge of what's going to happen in the future should never keep us from praying. Fear not, to paraphrase Paul. The Spirit makes up for our deficit of strength and knowledge and speaks exactly what needs to be spoken. In fact, the Spirit goes beyond all human knowledge and utterance and plumbs the depths of God's wisdom. The Spirit makes up the difference. Paul's words in Romans 8, 26 align with his thoughts in 1 Corinthians. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh. 
mysteries. So ultimately, in spite of being confused or overwhelmed, the believer's willingness to continue to pray ensures the Spirit's continued leadership. And under His leadership, under the Spirit's leadership, all things work together for good. To be called according to His purpose is to become like Abraham, a willing participant in God's covenant. 1 Corinthians 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is fruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? Paul is not saying to cease from praying or singing in the Spirit. He's instructing the church in a corporate setting, a church service. Evidently, the Corinthian church was having an entire service where everybody was speaking in other tongues. They weren't speaking in Greek or the language of the people. And guests would come in. They were confused. They didn't even know when to amen the preaching. So that's not what Paul was saying to us in our personal time of prayer. He was saying when we come together, we got to do things decently in order. But when you pray in those moments of personal prayer, it is vital, it is essential that you pray in the Spirit. Paul said it like this, you can come to the music. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. But tonight I'm not, or today I'm not instructing corporate structure, corporate worship. I'm talking about those personal moments, Brother Mayo. Those times when it's just you and the Lord. Those times of personal prayer. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today, we need the help of God. We're facing unprecedented times. And if there's anything we need, we must have the Spirit to help us. Forgive the personal reference today, but I grew up in a home. I can hear my father in my ears praying in the Holy Ghost. Tears flowing down his face, wetting his shirt. My mother's been passed for six years, but I grew up every morning going in the sanctuary, hearing her praying in the Holy Ghost. Tears streaming down her face, speaking in other tongues. That's all I've ever known. That's the only way I know to do it. And it's the only way you can make it to. It's the only way the church is going to make it. It's to pray in the Spirit. To have the Holy Ghost begin to course through your veins. 
the Holy Ghost to take over your tongue. Hey, it's not about how many words you can get in your prayer time. It's not about how good it sounds. It's about the Holy Ghost taking control. The Holy Ghost taking you to deeper levels of prayer. Spirit begins to wash over you in groanings and moanings that cannot even be uttered. It's a language unto God. Stand with me today. Maybe you're here for the first time and you think, man, this sounds really strange. I'm going to tell you it's not strange at all. If you lift your hands and you repent of your sins, ask God to forgive you. He'll fill you with His Spirit. It'll help you live a better life. It'll help you make it. And the same is true in your prayer time. Oh, brothers and sisters, I'm looking at a beautiful congregation. I'm looking at a fabulous church. And I just want to tell you, I've come from North Little Rock, Arkansas, not to be boastful, but I'm going to tell you, this is the key. I've watched it. I've watched it be implemented. And when it's implemented, the Holy Ghost moves. And things happen that you don't even plan. See, the Spirit, I don't have time to go into it today, but the pneuma, the Spirit, it's the creative force of God. It's, it's God moving and creating. He breathed the breath of life into man, became a living soul. When you start praying in the Spirit, God will bring things to your mind. Oh, that's how to fix that. You stayed up all night trying to figure out a solution to the problem. And five minutes into prayer, it's like, oh, yeah, I know. That's what I need to do. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, God begins to bring to your mind what you need to do, how you need to do it. You know why? Because the Spirit can pray for things you don't even know how to pray for. You don't even know how to approach the issue. I'm just telling you today, I feel a heavy burden in my spirit for this church. God brought me here today to tell you, you've got to pray in the Spirit. Let me ask you a couple questions. If you are carrying a heavy load, why would you ever refuse help if someone offered you help? If you are weary, why would you ever refuse to have your strength renewed? So if you're going to pray, why wouldn't you let the Spirit help you pray? Why wouldn't you allow the breath of God to breathe new life in you, new strength and vitality? Brothers and sisters, this is where it's at. Come on, can we lift our hands? Can we let God touch us right now? Come on across this building. I feel like God's calling people right now. There's men and women in this place. There's young people. God's reaching for you. Come on. Today is the day. I'm going to start praying a different way. I'm, I'm going to forget who's around me. I'm going to lay my phone down, my clock down, and I'm just going to spend some time. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to keep on praying until the Holy Ghost begins to pray through me. Come on, let's lift our hands. 
these altars are open. I want to invite you to come to this front. Lift your hands. Let God touch your heart. Come on. God's wanting to speak to every person in this room today. Come on. Come on. Let God touch you. Let God touch you. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Come on, let the Holy Ghost begin to pray through you right now across this building. Come on, let the Spirit of God begin to speak. Let the breath of God breathe in you. Let God begin to talk through you. Let His Spirit work in you. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Come on, His Spirit's in this place. Come on, let it move in you. Let it work in you. Come on, let it work in you. Let the Spirit assist you. 